0: Welcome to The Early Word and thanks to everyone who's been in touch to let us know they're enjoying our new podcast series made especially for the early learning sector. I'm Belinda Myers and on each episode of the podcast we talk to industry leaders and experts to get the latest trends, insights and advice from the sector. The Early Word podcast is proudly presented by Child HR, Australia's leading online human resources platform specifically created for the early learning sector. You can get in touch, send in your feedback, or catch up on past episodes at childhr.org.au slash podcast.
1: A blanket approach to showing your team that they are appreciated or supporting your team through a challenging time needs to really be broken down and, and tailored to individual team members.
0: That was psychologist and ACA Vice President Nesha Hutchinson. We're also joined by recruitment expert Adrian Grundy and Hayley Todd, Customer Success Manager at Child HR with her Haley's Hacks. Our first guest today is Nesha Hutchinson, Australian Child Care Alliance Vice President. Nesha has over 40 years of experience in the early learning sector and currently owns and operates her own early learning service in Sydney. And you're also a psychologist, Nesha.
1: I am. I am. Hi, Belinda. I have been working in psychology for a long time with a focus on uh Early intervention, but also many years spent working in human resources and uh, okay. in resource management.
0: So your ba- background is is quite varied, but at mm-hmm. the moment you're focusing on the early learning sector. What's 2020 been like for you so far?
1: I think for everybody, 2020 has been challenging and I, I'm, I'm very amused by the memes that are going around about how... <laughs> <laughs> 2020 has been going. I think in early childhood education, it has been particularly challenging. We have been told that we need to keep working uh, despite health challenges to our educators. And what we have realised in Australia is that early childhood education underpins our economy and, more importantly, underpins The village it takes to raise a child and our educators have stepped up to the plate and supported everyone across the board in every way they can. And, and my goodness, they have, they have been amazing.
0: I think it's never been more evident, as you say, it it underpins the village, but uh, it also underpins our workforce continuing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, when it looked like early on during this crisis that everyone was going to withdraw their children, workforce and sector came to the government and said, well, we're just, you know, we can't maintain viability when there's only 10 or 20 percent of children attending. And so the government said, well, of course not, and came to the forefront with uh, funding, which was amazing. And it meant that our essential workers and everybody could continue to operate and continue to support everybody else across Australia during that time. And our educators reached out beyond face-to-face interactions with our kids to Remote learning options that haven't mm. really happened in the past before for you know children in the years before school, and yeah. some of the innovative stuff that came up was just phenomenal. It was amazing. Any examples you'd like to share? Oh, look, we had besides um, shared story times uh, and and things like that. We we had I've seen examples of live yoga classes that have been going on or um, cooking classes that they basically sent to families all the ingredients they needed. And then together they kind of, the equivalent of a Zoom meeting Mm. with kids just to stay connected because, you know, children have a very short memory span and staying connected with those around them and being able to say, hey, how are you doing, and doing a, some something as simple as making Play-Doh, uh, you know, as part of a Zoom meeting together where they could still interact with each mm. other. Uh, It was really important for connection, let alone I've heard stories of educators, you know, maintaining a a bit of a a, a book and resource library that they went round and, you know, delivered without contact and stuff. This kind of stuff has been really innovative, out of the box and has ensured that families have remained connected with their communities during a time when connection has been insanely difficult
0: it's it's innovative as you say but it's also really the simple things you know it's just getting back to basics and like you say keeping people connected and feeling part of something and being occupied so um yeah I think if you told us 12 months ago or even six months ago that kids in early learning um, environments would would be using zoom I don't know don't know if people (laughs) would would have believed us
1: do you know what, 12 months ago, I would take money on the fact that 98% of people would not have been able to identify what Zoom was. Exactly. I so wish I'd
0: bought some shares in, in Zoom know, at that time. I know. It would have been quite handy. <laughs> with, your, with your HR hat on, but I guess your psychologist hat as well, what advice do you have for other early learning centre operators about managing the well-being of their workers as you know, COVID becomes part of our foreseeable future?
1: So as a management team, I think it's important to remember that just as children don't respond to the same kind of approach, nor do our educators and our team, and that what works for some people in terms of filling their safety cup, their mastery cup, their freedom cup, or however you want to express it in terms of love languages or whatever, doesn't necessarily work for others. And so A blanket approach to showing your team that they are appreciated or supporting your team through a challenging time needs to really be broken down and and tailored to individual team members. And that's hard when you've got a big team, I understand it is but so worth it at the moment the extra uh, the extra
0: time and attention I, I think will pay off at the other end in terms of having happy staff as happy as they can be in well, this current
1: situation and and we can see across the board in the middle of winter at a time when we're in lockdown it, we're all starting to to show the cracks at the edges mm. and mm. i think that the important thing is to stop and think how you can support your team because if your team start really fraying around the edges, the children are not getting the love and support they need and everything starts falling apart. So supporting your team is really vital. On
0: a slightly more positive note, um, I'd love to hear from you about Early Childhood Educators' Day, yeah. which just happened in early September. What's that day all about?
1: Look, Early Childhood Educators' Day is something that's been in place for over 10 years and it was developed in order to basically say thank you, so similar to Secretary's Day or any other day, to basically highlight the role that early childhood educators play which has become so much more important and highlighted not just over the last 10 years but this year in particular. Yeah. And it's, you know, without politicising anything, it's just a moment to stop and say, actually, do you know what? You're doing a great job. Thank you so much. And we had, uh, you know, I watched so many amazing services across Australia do the simplest small things of, of um, you know, some cupcakes or something too, mm-hmm. services in Melbourne when they're in lockdown and, you know, 70% of families aren't attending, that contributed to an online uh, tribute video just saying thank you that went for over 35 minutes with all of the families. Oh, wow. In there. Yeah, right, and parents interviewing their children about what they loved. And then that service just played that on repeat in the staff room For the whole day and I know it it seems such a little thing but after all of this time and the amazing job they're doing, just that reinforcement means so much And and it was really amazing across the country.
0: Well, that sounds like a lot of fun, Nesha, and an, a huge thank you to all the early educators out there from us at Child HR and to you for joining us. We know it's been a tough time for everyone, but but the sector is certainly uh, showing, showing its true colours in the way that uh, everyone's banding together and getting through it. Absolutely. Thanks, Belinda. Thanks, Nesha. Some great advice there and thanks to Nesha for joining us. We'll keep talking people next with Adrian Grundy from Murdoch Education Recruitment. Let's now welcome Adrian Grundy, Managing Director of Murdoch Education Recruitment. Adrian, welcome. How long have you been working with the early learning sector?
2: Hi, Belinda, and thanks for having me on your podcast today. Um, I've been in the early learning sector now for over eight years. Um, I've worked in several capacities from working in recruitment to now owning my own group of childcare centers.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So combining the two passions then.
2: Correct. So I fell in love with uh, the early years sector whilst I was managing a large recruitment firm. And then I decided to go out on my own because I felt I could provide a better quality service than working for a large corporate and started my own recruitment firm and then fell in love with the sector even further and decided to buy my first childcare center four years ago.
0: Wow, that's a really interesting path that you've been on. Yeah, um, it, feel,
2: really
0: has. <laughs> it is, yeah. So recruitment's your your big thing now. That's where you specialise uh, in the early learning sector. What are some of the trends that you're seeing right now?
2: JobKeeper has uh, given a lot of challenges to the early years sector where we've found that a lot of the uh, educators are struggling to return back To normality after JobKeeper because they have found that they are able to get both income from JobKeeper and income from uh, working and they're trying to find the balance of what works Mm. for them as people, um, which then in turn has made it very difficult for providers to be able to find that balance of staffing as well. And COVID's provided a a very big reflection piece for educators as such, because now they value their jobs in a completely different way. And they're looking for jobs that fit with their values and their own personal philosophies, because that's been highlighted as something for them that's incredibly important.
0: Yeah, isn't it interesting, like for all the negatives that have come with COVID and there have been plenty, obviously. It's that reflection that people are able to have and work out what's really important to me.
2: Correct. And I think it's a fantastic thing as well, because you want people to reflect on what they're passionate about and what they love so that when they do find a a company that they want to work for, they have longevity and they stay. And they're staying not because it's a job, but because it's a passion, it's a career, and that's where they want to spend their time, not because they feel that they have to to pay the bills.
0: So does that mean that fewer centres are recruiting or they're just changing the way they do look for people?
2: I think that it's uh, more of a change on how they're looking for people. Some of the things that I've seen coming from centres is that they're deep diving further into their philosophies, that they're finding what their company values are and really sticking to those as their non-negotiables, more than finding bodies for, for filling seats, basically.
0: Mm. I was going to ask you next uh, for to help us with some tips for managers and operators of early learning centres. It sounds like sticking to your values is, is the first one. What else can you advise uh, for operators to get the right people into their centres?
2: Yeah, look, I'm all for giving tips. I think it's so important that as a sector, we come together and start talking about this even further. I personally believe that understanding what your non-negotiables are and actually sticking to them um, and not wavering on those, because we often get into that situation where we go, oh, we really need staff. And instead of uh, really sticking to our guns and what our non-negotiables are, we make leniencies. And in turn, Mm -hmm. those people end up causing us more issues down the long-term path than what we would have had if we just would have potentially gone to a recruitment agency and hired someone for a couple of weeks as a temp to get you over that part where you're finding the right person. The, the longevity is the big key here. You want to hire people that are going to provide you with stability in your services. Families want to see the same faces. If that means having a temp in for a little while, whilst you find that person that's going to be there for the next five years, fantastic. Um, one of the other tips that I would say is your induction process. The inductions need to be thorough, and people are finding that they're not getting inductions that give them a true understanding of what the company's philosophy is. And that in itself can oppose some real challenges because if someone's not being inducted properly, the likelihood is they're not going to stay past the three months because they're going to go and yeah. find somewhere else that will induct them and give them a true understanding of the simple things like you know what your policies are, what your procedures are. Investing that time in the beginning will ensure that those people stay long-term.
0: We've been talking to a lot of people on the podcast the last few episodes about their advice for you know coming out of COVID or, or dealing with the challenges that the world's throwing at everyone and the common theme that comes through is communication, and you've just said it as well. It's about good communication, straight up. It's about talking to people in, in a way that they can relate to and giving them information that's going to be useful for performing their role.
2: 100%. And I think that one of the things that I have in my own childcare centres is that we have something called Radical Candour, where we provide instantaneous feedback In a very transparent fashion. And anyone that works for us knows that you'll receive that as a part of the way that we communicate. Because how can we provide the the best quality care for our clients or our, our families if we aren't able to give honest, true, reflective feedback to our people? Feedback isn't something we should shy away from, it's something we should be bringing to the forefront to the benefit of everyone.
0: Radical candor, that's that's a really cool term. Did you did you guys coin that at, uh, at Murdoch?
2: Definitely not. Uh, but I read uh, quite a few books on radical candor um, because being able to provide feedback in such a strong fashion, a lot of leaders shy away from because they don't want to upset people and they don't want to uh, get on their wrong side or lose staff. But at the end of the day, We look at the fact that we would rather lose staff that don't fit with our culture than bring people into our culture that are going to be toxic. And I think culture is a big one that could be really phased out through the recruitment process if we're honest in the recruitment process about what our flaws are and what our strengths are. And that's the other thing in recruitment is we look at our whole teams from a holistic view to find out what the people we should be hiring have in the idealisms of strength. And we complement those people in our recruitment process. We shouldn't be recruiting just for a qualification. We should be recruiting for a value set and recruiting for a strength that we need that we're missing.
0: That's brilliant advice. Thanks, Adrian. Some really great insights there um, and a fantastic starting point for our listeners. I'm also pleased to share that one lucky listener will win a recruitment audit with your good self. Tell us more about that.
2: That's right. So for one of your lucky listeners, I'm personally going to, uh, offer my own services to audit the complete recruitment process, to offer advice and to be able to, I suppose, streamline the process to get the most effectiveness out of your recruitment process. Uh, recruitment's hard. And if you're not a specialist in this area, then you're, you're really putting yourself out there to be open for Uh, error. And at the end of the day, error automatically goes to your occupancy. Hiring the wrong person can really have that direct impact on your bottom line. And uh, that's something that I want to help everyone try and avoid.
0: Well, that's fantastic. It's a great offer. Um, As we've mentioned, Adrian's on board with the early word to help one lucky early learning centre with a free HR and recruitment process audit. If you'd like to win, go to LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram and find Child HR's latest podcast post. Then tag three of your friends who'd enjoy the early word. Thanks to Adrian for chatting with us and I'm sure that prize will be hotly contested.
2: Thanks for having me, Belinda. I can't wait to speak to you again soon.
0: And as Adrian mentioned, he's on board with the early word to help one lucky early learning centre with a free HR and recruitment process audit. If you'd like to win, go to LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram and find Child HR's latest podcast post. Then just tag three of your friends who you think might enjoy the early word. A big thank you to Adrian for chatting with us, and I'm sure that prize will be hotly contested. The competition is open to everyone in the early learning sector throughout Australia, but hurry because entries close on Sunday, the 4th of October. We look forward to getting in touch with the lucky winner. I'd like to welcome back to the early word Hayley Todd, Customer Success Manager at Child HR. Hayley, you're the friendly voice on the end of the phone when centres are getting set up and using the platform. What's your latest Hayley's hack on how to get the most out of child HR? Hi, Melinda.
3: Yeah, great. This week I want to talk about conversation records and just how useful they can be to managers. Okay. So, conversation records that happen in the workplace that need to be captured? Exactly. Yeah. So, it's just a way to capture those informal discussions that you'd have with an employee, which can be about like a minor behavior or performance issue um, or like a dress code breach, as an example, or it can be a positive thing. Like say, a parent's given um, you some really good feedback about that employee and you can capture that.
0: Okay. So, and that's all centrally stored within Child HR. So, um, no matter who's accessing it, you know, every, everyone's seeing the same thing,
3: essentially. Who can, who can access the records? Yeah, exactly. So, um, your administrators can see it, the employee's report manager, and there is the option to make it visible to the employee as well, which is really, really handy come that performance review time um, so that you and the employee know exactly what's been happening.
0: Yeah, sometimes I think things that you think I'll remember that, But then a year down the track or six months down the track, um, things can be forgotten. So, this advantage of having everything stored centrally,
3: I I think. And time and date stamped as well, you know, as opposed to a little post-it stuck in a diary way back that can be lost. So, um, And what's really, really handy is it also changes with the managers. So, you know, if you have um, someone change um, who they report to, then that new manager can also keep track of any past issues or, or past wins that the employee has had.
0: Oh, very good. It, sound, it sounds really obvious now that you describe it, that, um, that, that this would be something that good management teams would have in place to, to be able to effectively track feedback on staff and, and have one source of truth at the end of the day. So thank you for sharing that with us, Hayley. Anytime. time. great. We look forward to talking to you on the next edition of The Early Word. Thanks. See you next time. Haley for her latest tips on child HR and to Nesha Hutchinson and Adrian Grundy for sharing their insights with us on the early word. If you enjoyed today's podcast, help us spread the word. Leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next episode where we feature Jay Fraser, founder of the Scholars Group.
2: We've got such great opportunity in early childhood to really set children up for successful futures. So I wanted to I guess take that responsibility on and and make a bit of a difference and a change.
0: I look forward to bringing you that interview with Jay Fraser in the next episode of The Early Word. To stay up to date with the podcast, you can follow us on your favourite social media platform and don't forget to enter our competition by tagging three friends on our latest podcast post on your favourite social channel. You can also leave us a review where you get your podcasts on Spotify, Apple or Google podcasts. The Early Word podcast is proudly presented by Australia's leading online human resources platform, specifically created for your sector child hr the hr system early learning professionals recommend find us at childhr.org.au